hands. Father, we love you this morning, and we do just pray that our worship is just a sweet, sweet sound in your ear this morning as we lift you up. Father, we just pray that as we continue on in our service, God, that you would speak to us through your word. God, speak to us through the words that you've given Brother Lee this morning. God, just tweak us, change us to what you want to do in our hearts this morning. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to keep on from our sermon last Sunday about 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is. Perhaps you went home last week from listening to what love is from 1 Corinthians 13 and had a little angst, had a little, oh my, if I'm going to, there's just a burden was laid on me. It's too heavy. How can I do all that? How in the world... Can I love like 1 Corinthians 13 says that we are to love? And so today we are going to attempt to bring out the practical. Bring out the practical in it. One of my favorite shows of the years is Cheers. I loved it. Uh, Had some of the funniest scenes I think I've ever seen on on television. And one particular scene was... Uh, Carla, the waitress, comes out of the restroom, and she's got a pipe wrench in her hand, and she says, does anybody know about plumbing? And uh, Cliff Clavin, the mailman, the know-it-all, says, well, actually, the Romans were the first to learn how to move water from one place to another, and they are also the first people to put in a sewer system. And she says, no, 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 no. Who can fix the pipe in the bathroom? And he said, strictly theory, just theory. I think a lot of times when we approach the Bible, um, we are more secure in theory than we are in the practical because there's parts in the Bible that the practical is really, really difficult when we have to live it out. And especially when it comes to love, living out love in our world is very difficult. It's very difficult. Living out love, being loving, being what the scripture says to be is Well, from human ability, it's downright impossible. We can't love. We can love in a few occasions. We can love up to a point. We can love right up to where strings are attached. We can love with human effort to a point of it may look like it's real love on the surface, But when the layers start being peeled off, very quickly, human love, which would be brotherly love, which would be uh, strings-attached love, it runs out of gas very quickly when the real hard issues come up. So today, hopefully, we can get a little more practical. 
Verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. 1 John is just wrapped with love one another. Love one another. Love God, love each other. Jesus boils it all down in the great commandment. What is the greatest commandment of all? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So there's no question that Christians are to be loving. We are to love one another. We are to be known as a people that love their family in Christ. Now, there's no, no question that probably the number one thing that we all struggle with is loving one another in the body of Christ. If you look around the room in here today, I'm sure you can find a few people that you go, man, they're hard to love. And of course, you're looking at one that's really hard to love. If you think I'm not hard to love, you haven't been around me very much. Come hang around with me for a couple hours and you'll say, well, that guy's hard to love, but you're still supposed to love. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. So what does that love look like? Well, in 1 Corinthians, we see that love is patience. And that means, as we talked about last week, it means patient with people. So if we're loving one another, brothers, continue to love one another. The beloved, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. It means that we're patient with each other. Love is kind. This means that the love that we give away, that we express, is a kind love. It means that it's useful, it's a serving love, and it's a graciousness to people. We are going to be gracious to each other. We are going to give grace to each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. It is not loving for a Christian person to say this. We had a lunch appointment at 12 o'clock and he didn't show. He forgot. I'm done with them. Never again will I be willing to go to lunch with them. I won't even speak to them anymore. That's not kind. That's not the kind of love that, that the scripture talks about. We are gracious to people. We give people chances. That's the Christian people. Love is not jealous. This means a strong desire to have what someone else has, or probably more than likely in most of our cases, it's an intense craving to be better than other people. I just want to be better than them. I want other people to know I'm smarter than them. I want I want everyone to know that I'm powerful at work. I want everybody to know that, that I've got 400 employees under me. I want everybody to know that, that I represent this big area in my company. So that's what jealousy is. That's what envy is. Love doesn't brag. Now we think about in this word, the definition is talking about a parade of accomplishments. It's being a boaster. It's being a braggart. 
Now, as we are loving one another, we allow the one-up story to go, right? You know, the bragger in the room is the one that can't sit there and let a story be told and, and then not, them not one-up it, right? And basically, the boaster or the bragger is sitting around, and when you're telling your story, they're not really listening to your story. They're just thinking about what they can say next to one-up your story, the bragger. Love does not brag. Love is not proud. It's not arrogant. Love is repentant. And you cannot be arrogant if you're repentant. Repentant, you understand, without forgiveness, without the cross, without the forgiveness of Jesus, you have nothing. We recognize that before God, we are empty. The Bible tells us, Jesus very clearly says, the poor in spirit are those people that know their need for God, for salvation. Theirs is the kingdom. And so we are to not be proud people. We are to be humble people. And love is humble. Love is not proud. Love doesn't parade around its uh, accomplishments. And love is repentant, not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not rude. Now, I told you last week, this is a hard one. Love cares for others in such a way that we are polite Careful with relationships, not overbearing or crude. That's what love is. So we are concerned with other people more than we are concerned with ourselves. That's love. Paul said, don't think so high of yourself. Don't be conceited. Don't be full of selfish ambition, but treat other people as better than yourselves. That's what we're to do. That's a hard one there. Love doesn't demand its own way. We don't live to be served, but to serve. We're not selfish. Oh, here's a hard one. Love is not irritable. Love is not easily provoked. Now, you think about that for a moment. If we're easily provoked, if we're easily offended, we are irritable. We're easy to become irritable in a situation, then we have real thin skin. We, we have a chip on our shoulder. We wear our feelings close to our chest, what people say. We're easily offended, easily provoked. Love isn't easily provoked. Love has a thick skin. We do not easily get angry when we're treated carelessly. Christ in us, it absolutely, it carries us beyond petty and selfish offenses. We choose because of love, we choose up front, I'm, I'm just not going to be offended I'm not going to be offended. My mission in Christ is more important than my own situation. I'm just not going to be easily offended. If someone says something that's careless, that, that 
is, is, you know, it penetrates me and it causes me to uh, feel bad about myself. I, I'm just not going to let that control me. I, we are to be compelled by love, not by offenses. Love doesn't get easily offended. Love doesn't keep a record of being wronged. We don't keep score. We don't have a last straw. You heard that? That was my last straw by George. I'm here to tell you I'm through with Sally Sue. I'm never going to entertain any, any imitations from Sally Sue again. I'm not going to be open to what she wants. I'm absolutely done. That's the last straw. Love doesn't keep a record of being wrong. We don't keep score. We're not keeping a running tally of offenses. That really is a problem in the body of Christ today. You know, all of us with the new technologies that have been forced on us, I mean, how many of you right now would like to not have a smartphone, but you don't have the guts not to have a smartphone? Yeah, you're, you're not quite sure that you can live without that smartphone. I mean, what if something happens and you don't know about it? Well, it's a blessing if something happens and you don't know about it, but we've lost sight of that. Now, you guys that are the millennials and the younger crowd, do you know that your mom and dad would travel from Dallas to Los Angeles in a car and they didn't have a cell phone? Do you know that I used to keep two or three quarters in my pocket all the time for a payphone? Yeah, sure did. That's what I used to do. And then the beeper came out. Woo! You talk about changing someone's life, the beeper comes out. I, I can tell you, I, I wish I had a dime for every time I'd go to the Harris Hospital downtown, see someone, and drive back out to Alito and walk in, and Sue Brown would say, I'm sorry, Lee, but we just got a call that so-and-so just went to Harris. I was just down there. But with a beeper, she would beat me. And I'd get that number. It would say, church, 817 441 8885. I'd go to the payphone. What's up, Sue? So-and-so was just checked in the hospital. Great. The beeper was a wonderful thing. But we've gone beyond payphones. We've gone beyond beepers. We've even gone beyond just standard Nokia phones. You remember just that little Nokia phone? No flip-flop deal on it. Didn't work half the time. But now we've got these smartphones. Now we've got these smart cars. When you ride in Susan's car and someone texts you, you push a button and it speaks the text to you. That's a pretty cool deal. Hey, I'm in the hospital. Come see me. No good. So, da, da, da. All right. Got it. Well, that's going on with us. And we are absolutely losing the ability to relate with each other face-to-face. -face. I believe that the next generation, it's going to be the number one issue in the body of Christ. 
We, we're already talking about connect, connect, connect. We already see how hard it is for the Lord's people to connect with each other. And, and technology has a lot to do with it. Technology is making us live a fast-paced life. Technology is making us keep up. Used to be when all you had was email, when it first started coming out, no one expected an immediate response from you. You know, when you can't, when all you had was dial-up, you might check your email once a day, if you're lucky, if you can get online. And most of the time you couldn't get online. Now, you better have your smartphone set up so when the email comes in your box, it beeps at you, and you better go look at that email right there because someone is sitting waiting for your response. Never face-to-face, -face, never dealing with each other. And the Bible tells us to love one another and to not keep a record of being wronged. And my stars... Technology wrongs us all the time. What did they mean by that quick response? What did they mean by, you're stupid? <laughs> what do they mean by that? What do they mean by, Lee, a reasonable person would understand this? What do they mean by me not being reasonable, right? Begin to stew over it, begin to, and, and all they were saying was, you just don't understand what I'm telling you. I'm not upset at you don't like that, but, but we get all this information so quick and without a face, without emotion involved. We can't read it. We can't see it. We don't know what's going on, and we're easily wronged, and we keep a running tally of offenses. One of my happiest days when I learned that if you choose to, you can get out of a group conversation. And another happy day is when someone told me that you can still be a friend with someone on Facebook, but you don't got to see what they write. <laughs> That's a good thing. You say, did he do that to me? I might have. I might have. Depends on what you're saying all the time. I get tired of it. I get offended. Love doesn't rejoice in injustice, only in the truth. I'm finally, I'm so glad so-and-so got what's coming to them. That's not love. Love never quits. Love doesn't abandon faith. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Now, that is a very difficult assignment. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 through 8, you're going, my stars, the Lord expects a lot out of me. Now, on our own, trying to live out 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is, it is a burden maker. It's like putting 30 pounds of concrete on your back and walking around with it. It's a hard thing. We, it's, it, first of all, not only is it hard, it's impossible for us to love like that. Okay? So, look at the next phrase. So, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. There you go. For love comes from God. 
It doesn't come from you. If you say, I can't love so-and-so, you're right, that's your love. But if you say, I can't love so-and-so with God's love, not true. And if you don't have the ability to love someone, it's because you're getting in the way of what God wants to do because love comes from God. When you're born again, when you believe in God, the love of God is deposited in you. Love comes from God. Now it says, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. There you go. That's good news right there. Love comes from God. And evidence that you're a child of God is that you love. Did you have any thoughts this week that you ought to love? Did those first Corinthian definitions did they kind of hang around a little bit? And maybe right before you went to bed, maybe you were sitting on the back porch or having your coffee, whatever you're doing. And there was a real desire in you to be more patient. That love is patient really does bother you. And you went to Walmart this week or you went to uh uh, Brookshire, Brookshire's, or you went somewhere and got your groceries and you remembered the preacher talked about how patience and kindness is really tested at Walmart. Remember that? And when you went, you went, oh, before I go in here, Lord, help me to be patient and help me to be kind with all the crazies in Walmart. Right? Where did that come from? That came from the Holy Spirit. That didn't come from your flesh. That didn't come from the evil one. That came from the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about how clear that is. Uh, only God wants us to love. Only God wants us to be patient. Only God wants us to be kind. So if you had a desire to be more patient, to be less rude, to, to, to be humble, uh, to, to not be so thin-skinned, to realize that love covers multitude of sin, you've encountered the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking with you, tugging at your heart. So it says here that evidence, a sign that we're in God, that we're his children born again, is that we love God's people. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love. So we have here in this scripture two wonderful things. Love comes from God, and love is God. Where love is present, God is there, because God is love. And God is everywhere, and everywhere you can find love. I promise you, at the border today, you can find love somewhere there, because God is there taking care of them kids. He's there somewhere. He's there through his people that work for the Border Patrol. He's there through his people working for the government in whatever position they are. There's love there somewhere. There's love. There's love everywhere. God is everywhere. And since God is love, then the ability to love is available everywhere. 
We just got to get out of the way and be the conduit that God wants us to be to love people. It says in nine, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Now, this is one of the places where you can really use this as an analysis of your love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You can't stray very far away from being a lover when you keep in mind the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You just can't get away from that. It's it, it it hard for us to live like a jerk when we have in mind what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's hard for us to mistreat other people when we have in mind the cross. I mean, it's hard for us to, to, to be harsh to people when we're thinking about what God did. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we don't have to give up that which would be valuable to us. We do not have to sacrifice. We do not have to prove our love to God to be his child. We just accept the proof of his love for us. Because it's not the big deal that you love God, but God first loved you. And he gave his son to be a sacrifice. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, I mean, surely, reason, right? Surely this is reasonable. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and listen to this, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, surely we ought to love each other when we realize what Jesus did for us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, then people can see God through us. Do we love each other? Do we love each other? That's the real question. And the question is not, do we love the world? That's after, do we love each other? And the truth of the matter is, we're not going to love the world until we can look around the room on Sunday morning and we can say, because God is love, because he gives us love, I love his children. I love them. Not through my ability, but through me just being a conduit by faith, believing and trusting, and letting the Holy Spirit work to love each other. We know that we are living a pleasing life to God when a group this size gets together, believers, children of God, and love is absolutely 
knee-knocking. Love is overwhelming. Love can be seen. Love is noticed. Love is present. Acts of love is ongoing. There's more grace than can be handled. There's more joy than can be contained. There's patience with each other. There's kindness. Jealousy is hard to see. Braggers are quiet. People repentant, not arrogant. Love isn't rude because everyone in the room is more concerned with loving each other than promoting themselves. So just don't have time to be rude. Love doesn't demand its own way. It's not selfish. The people are not thin-skinned. They don't get all bruised up. They don't just get all out of sorts with each other because they love each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Old Junior told me something today during Sunday school that, by George, I should have taken offense of, but I love Jesus and him too much to allow that to happen. I'm not going to allow the evil one to put a splinter in there between me and old Junior. Junior probably didn't understand what he was saying to me, and I, I'm just not going to allow it to hurt my feelings. Junior just born that way. He just says the wrong thing at the wrong time. We got any juniors in the house today? <laughs> Love isn't irritated, not easy to provoke. Love doesn't keep any record of being wronged. It rejoices in the truth, not injustice. Love doesn't quit. It doesn't abandon faith. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. So let's just kind of summarize here today. We're called on to love one another. We are to be lovers of God's children. Love comes from God, not from us. Evidence that we are a child of God is that we love. We love God and we love his people. God is love. The standard of love, the thing that needs to keep us all in line is that God showed us how much he loved us by sending his son to die for us. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. Now, dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and love is brought to full expression in us. So, in other words, people can see that God exists when we love each other. Amen? That's what the Word says. That's what the Word says. Do we love each other? Do we love each other? That's the question of the time. Father, help us this morning to be open to your word, to let love fly. We release it. 
we're your conduit. Thank you that through salvation you deposit love in us. We're thankful, Lord, for the release of the burden from having to love each other with our own strength. We recognize how that is impossible. It's a burden maker, but you love us so much that love comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.